you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisvossshow.com. 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 What can you say, man? It's Once the opera uh, lady says it, it becomes official. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, you're bringing you the most amazing minds, brilliant authors, Pulitzer Prize winners, cheese uh, billionaire CEOs, you name it. All the great people who tell all the great stories. And as I always say, it's kind of, a, kind of become a hallmark of the Chris Voss Show. Stories are the great lessons of life. They are the owner's manual of life. And it's how we share our stories, whether it's through fiction or nonfiction or, or just sharing our life journey is what we overcome and how we overcome it to uh, help instruct others on how to learn lessons in life. And that's how we learn through stories, whether it's film, movie, TV, books, Whatever the case may be, this is how we learn. Sharing each other's stories and going, wow, I can learn something from that. Uh, if you don't learn anything from anything, well, maybe you're part of the problem. <laughs> As my psychiatrist likes to say. Uh, we have a great, amazing author who's multi-book uh, author. He's written a lot of great works, and uh, he's on with two of his latest offerings he's put out this year. Uh, the first one is The Black Seas of Infinity. Daniel Hank, or otherwise known as illustrator, Dan Hank, is on the show with us today. Uh, he also has a book that he put out January 4th, 2023, The Never Dead, which is, uh, I think that talks about my love life. Or wait, no, maybe it's the opposite. Uh, and then he also put out as well with a bunch of other people. Uh, and he's going to be talking to us about his book. You'll get a chance to meet him. His early career included drawing political cartoons for Madcap Magazine and illustrating Maximum Rock and Roll. In 1997, after getting stabbed by a crackhead, he moved to New York City. Wait, he moved to New York City after that? That sounds like a bad... Uh, way to get closer to people that are in DC. DC is horrible. That's a million very years. Ah, there you go. Well, there you go. That explains a lot. Uh, thank you, CIA. Uh, there he <laughs> produced artwork for the bands uh, Shai Halud. Shai Halud, yeah. Indecision, Koshari, Unsound, Coalesce, Most Precious Blood, uh, Locked in Vacancy. Beyond Reason and Zombie Apocalypse all sound like uh, really well-balanced pants. Um, he had a brain cancer in 2001, and his wife died in a hit and run in 2007. Uh, life is a rocky road sometimes, he has to say. Uh, his heavily illustrated anthology, The Never Dead, featuring 14 authors and 16 stories just debuted, and he re-attained his rights and massively re-edited his debut novel, the Black Seas of Infinity for re-release, and we're going to be talking about those books today. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you uh, for having me. Thank you for coming. And give us any dot coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Check out my website, danhink.com. That's everything's there. All my links, my blog, everything. There you go. And so, how many books you've written? You've got quite a few books and offering on your website there. 
Well, I have three that are full novels, and then I, I've been in a bunch of like uh, story collections and magazines. But I have three that are fully mine, and then I have one that's like a kind of a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits style anthology with all short stories. And yeah. I contributed that, but I had a bunch of authors too. There you go. Uh, so uh, on the Slater's offering, The Black Seas of Infinity, uh, give us like a 30,000 review of that, if you would. It's a uh, apocalyptic kind of uh, my my editor calls it speculative fiction, um, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" He said, "Well, it's just you combine everything." I don't know if I can curse this, <laughs> but I I combine everything. So it's like some sci-fi, some horror, all that sort of stuff. But it's uh, it basically deals with uh, a guy who works for the government. They recover a crashed spacecraft, and uh, you know they hide it all from the government from the people, the populace, and then the whole government collapses, they seal something, and it goes to the run, and then, you know, surprise, surprise, the aliens they sold from came back. Ah, it's always those aliens coming back. Yeah. <laughs> the cover, I must say, is quite provocative. Do you want to describe the cover for people? Yeah, it's, um, well, it's my late wife. Um, she did a, a bit of, like, alternative modeling, Mm. And uh, one was uh, she, um, I, I think, uh, I forget, it was River or something or other was a photographer. And it's her, like, pouring, like, milk on her body. And uh, I used that as reference to make a painting. And I made a painting where instead of milk, is blood. Oh, there you go. So that, inter that intertwines a little bit with maybe uh, what goes on in the book? Yeah, it's, uh, well, the, the main character, and I don't want people to think it's me because it's not me, but it's like a very, like, nihilistic version of me. <laughs> but in it, his wife dies, and, like, he just hates everything. Wow. And he has, like, dreams about this and, like, visions about this. And hmm. now, you, you kind of have to delve into the book to see the intricacies of the whole situation. But uh, he, he, like, starts to, he doesn't know if he's, like, losing it he does he starts to have like you know waking dreams where he sees his wife mm -hmm. did, did do you think that uh i mean it, obviously you know we talked to, to you lost your wife in i think 2007 yeah 2007. Um, it, was this maybe a, a part of the journey that you went on of grief and sorrow and and things of that nature or was this maybe a a way for you maybe to expel or, or experience that or, or cleanse that from yourself or you know you know what i'm saying yeah well i i would say um, especially like later reference when you read it and you go oh that's where i was at the time but um mm -hmm. i i had the story and i developed the story before i ever even met her but oh, wow. i incorporated her into the story or like this character's version of her into the story and i included more elements as it went along i mean this thing has been I originally started this back when I was 15. I wanted to make a, I wanted to be a comic artist. Uh -huh. And I go to like, you know, like I lived in Gainesville, Florida, which is pretty much like trash, but there are a bunch of people that work at like, you know, bookstores and like comic shops and they're like indie artists. And that's uh -huh. when you have that giant boob with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all these people were working full time and, they were super nice. He gave me like I was a little bratty kid, but they gave me lots of advice and be like, "I use this," you know. And I, they look at it and they go, "Well, you should try this." But it really helped me out. Mm -hmm. And and that story has kind of evolved over time. Awesome sauce. So, uh, wait, it, tell, I guess tell us more about the protagonists in the story. 
well, the protagonist, he works for the government. He works up, uh, and, and whenever I do anything, I'm almost OCD, so I just kind of deep dive into this. Like, I read a bunch of people that at least say they worked for the government, you know, for Project Blue Book and, you know, recovering from Roswell and stuff like that. Mm. And um, so this guy works for the government, and the theory, if, if aliens are real, if this whole thing is real, then, you know, the theory is stuff to recover is brought to a warehouse, and they kind of partition it out, and different people work in different projects, but don't know what connects it all. Like, uh -huh. I, that's what they did with the Mahan Project. You know, mm -hmm. so the government does do that. And, you know, so this guy is one of those guys working for the government, and they have a recovered spacecraft, and, you know, he, he's working on it, and he finds something in there, and he, he's kind of like a, he, he's not a nice guy, so he doesn't get along with his co-workers, he just gets fired, and he's like, I'm going back and I'm stealing that, you know? <laughs> and so he goes back to steal it, but while he's stealing it, the whole government falls apart. So at first he's wondering why there's like nobody on the roads and everything's closed, the local mm -hmm. militias and stuff. And then it just gets crazier from there. Wow. It sounds like quite the journey. Uh, what were, what were some of the things that gave you ideas on the book that contributed to it? Well, like I said, I, I had this stuff since I was 15. So kind of the idea has evolved over time, but the core element stayed more or less the same. And then as you go through life and all this stuff happens to you, you go, hey, well, you know, I should incorporate that or that had a big impact. So that'll probably reach the audience. There you go. Uh, now your uh, other book, uh, The Never Dead, looks like this is a compilation of, with uh, several different authors that jumped into it. Give us an overview of that. It's basically uh, kind of like Twilight Zone, Outer Limits. Like they're they're all little like not necessarily horror stories, but dark stories. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of illustrations for like you know magazines and bands. And I've done plenty of book covers. And what what I said is I was like I don't have a lot of money, but I'll bet I can trade original artwork that I did for an author in exchange for a short story. And ah. fortunately, a lot of them were into that. So I gave them the artwork and they gave me the short story and uh, I kind of edited through it. There were a couple of people that I was like, oh, yeah, man, you know, I, like I try not to say your story sucks, but I try to say it didn't really fit the anthology, but the ones I liked, I put in there. Ah, so people kind of applied and, and uh, went through it. And uh, so it's kind of like an experience, like, uh, like you said, the Twilight Zone. So it's little short stories, I guess, of. Yeah, like, uh, like, like, think Richard Matheson or, like, mm -hmm. you know, like Stephen King's short stories. Like, you know, like I said, like Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt or mm -hmm. Out of Limits. So there's 16 tales of horror and woe in the book? <laughs> yeah, that's my tagline. Yeah, that's my tagline. 16 but, uh, tales of horror and woe are ensconced in here. It sounds like my first 16 marriages. <laughs> Were you really married 16 times? No, there's a it's a callback joke on the show. I <laughs> I throw it I throw it random like uh yeah, it sounds like my first five marriages. And yeah. you know, we just do different numbers every time. The the joke is that I've never been married, so, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I tell people everything good in life hurts. I should know I was married. That's true. You you <laughs> you, you, you went and got stabbed. Um, you know, you, you it sounds like you've been through some experiences in your life uh tell us a little bit more about how some of those experiences led to kind of how you've written and how you lived your life i know you're a, a big tattoo artist as well 
but yeah, I own a shop here in Long Beach, New York. Um, mm. And uh, it's called the Abyss Tattoo. And, the Abyss and Tattoo. Yeah. That's actually where I met my wife. She was a. Uh, I didn't own the shop, but you know, at the time I was working in another shop, and she was a counter person. And uh, I kept trying to like talk to her, but she's an immigrant from Colombia, so there's like a language barrier, you know. Mm. But when when she finally realized that in my awkward way I was trying to hit on her, then she started talking to me. Ah, there you go. And I've seen some of your artwork that you have for tattoo work on the website as well. This is quite interesting, uh, all the stuff you're on. I might have some nightmares after this. <laughs> well, I, I made like 15 minutes of fame in the tattoo world back in like 2009. I was like in all the magazines, oh, really? traveling all over oh. the world. Yeah, like people would say, hey, uh, we do my convention. I'm like, well, I don't know if I can afford it. They're like, we'll buy a plane ticket. We'll pay for your hotel room. We'll pay oh. for your booth. You show up. I'm like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what got you into this, this horror genre? I see there's also that kind of theme running through your tattoos. Um, I don't see a lot of daisies and flowers and, you know, uh, positive vibes going on here. It's, it's a bit of darkness and horror. What, what do you think contributes to you kind of enjoying this genre? Well, I think it's what you said, uh, basically, which is everything's a story. And mm -hmm. the stories that really grab me are the ones that have, like, kind of a dark twist to them. Uh -huh. uh, I, I feel like that's more realistic. That's more what life is, you know. Like, the the good guy doesn't always win. That's you know? true. And, and I grew up on, like, isolated military bases everywhere because my dad's army. And mm -hmm. we didn't even have a TV, you know. So I just go to the library. I, I check out this giant stack of books. I have all read within a week, you know, like, like in fourth grade, I was reading adult level, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, I always, my favorites were like sci-fi and horror, you know, they uh -huh. always really grabbed me. And like, I used to play like a, uh, like soldier, like the abandoned training grounds, like near the base we lived at, we run around with like bottle rockets and shoot each other and pretend we're, we're troops and stuff. But I always imagine these fantastical worlds all around me. And I, I, I think that kind of like transferred into my, you know, my, my love of this stuff. There you go. There's something to say about not having a TV. You got to go create your own imagination, your own world. Maybe more kids need that. That's, you know, that's how I kind of was it as, as a kid, uh, where, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, uh, you run around and because you have to create your own imagination in the world and, and stuff you uh you know you uh you you did you develop that but if you don't you're just sitting there in front of the tv going Ugh. yeah yeah no, it, i mean it's also it was a different era so you didn't have like helicopter parents and stuff so basically <laughs> my parents would be like all right there's a six see you a six so i get like on my bmx bike and i like bike downtown and bike everywhere you know like I we we had a tree fort like we went to the scrap lumber yard and we grabbed stuff there we're like building a tree fort you know it's just like we're finding ways to amuse ourselves and we didn't have a TV we didn't have like we didn't have video games we didn't have a computer I mean I'm old so this is like back in the you know early eighties yeah we're both old buddy <laughs> coming from that era that's for sure yeah. It's uh, and so it's it. It seems like it's worked out really well for you. You've used it for your work. And at, how many total books do you have? I'm looking at them here on the website. 
Well, the ones that, that I put out there are like a solid, like 300 page, all me or like three, you know, okay. but there's a bunch I've been in where I have a, a short story, like a splatter punctuated one called Bloodstains. I'm sorry, it's a publisher. It's called Bloodstains. I have a story in there. You know, I've done stories in magazines. I've done stories in like various anthologies. So, but just mine alone, three books. Wow. That's that's pretty good. And then you've got the anthologies there as well. Um, do you ever think you'd write a book like Martha Stewart, Positive uh, Daisies and Roses and <laughs> Love and and Peace and Happiness? What, you're saying these books are positive? I don't know. I, I didn't mean to play that at all. But, you know, I, I'm a Metallica fan. And, uh, you know, there's something about cathartic about, you know, sometimes darkness and and uh you know dealing with the the hard edges of life and stuff and and so and there's something cathartic about it where uh you know like people be like i'll listen to something really heavy and you're talking about you know some kind of dark stuff and and you feel better afterwards you're kind of like ah, i feel less depressed now cleanse all that i've, well, I've exercised back in the, the day demon. they told back in the day they told great stories you they know did, but, yeah. yeah like i i just after in just for all i just pretend they died <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it definitely, it definitely has changed over the years with them. Um, so, uh, on these books, what do you, what do you feel uh, uh, appeals to most of your readers on the two new books you put out this year? Well, that that's the kind of weird thing. Like, like for instance, uh, it sounds like I'm going off topic, but I'm not. So when I went to art school and I do stuff, and people are like, "Oh, I love your style," I'm like what style i'm just you know illustrating what i see but you know you put yourself into the way that you envision the world mm -hmm. so you know when i first put out my books it was just like hey you know i like this so i'm sure everyone will like this that's not true at all but you know i, I put it out and, and i over time i tried to not change the topics or anything but like you know angle a little bit more so it, like more people it grabs their attention then immediately runs off there you go and sometimes you just have to find your audience and build it right that's true you have to, yeah. you, have to you have to uh curate your audience get them interest find the people that like you and 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 then hopefully word of mouth spreads and more people refer you and stuff and you can get into it and some more um so you've been through an incredible journey and how do you stay positive how do you stay you know, how do you bounce back from some of the trials and tribulations you've been served in life? Well, I figure that nobody really cares in the end except for you. So if you fail and you don't make it, you know, maybe a couple of your friends are like, well, he was talented, this tragedy, but nobody really cares. <laughs> end of the day, nobody cares. So, like, I remember first when I had brain cancer and I was doing, um, I was painting a cover for the band Shai Halud. And, you know, I was like 35 hours to a 40-hour painting, and I called it Matt Fox, the main guy being Shiloh, from a hospital bed. I'm like, you know, I, I have cancer. I'm in the hospital, but I'm going to finish your painting. He's like, just get better. Just get better. I'm like, no, I'm going to finish your painting. I'm like, I might die, but I'm going to finish your painting. So it, I just feel you have to do stuff. And, and part of the impetus for, the you know, getting the books out as much as I, like I always had that in mind, and then um, it's kind of a like it's a long, complicated road. But I ended up tattooing that blew up in the tattoo industry, so I, I got all wrapped up in that. 
Then my wife died in a hit and run. So when she died, you know, wow. that combined with, with brain cancer, I was like, life is short. I could die tomorrow. I got to get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that kind of gives you an outlook on life of realizing how fleeting it is, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And how you know, important like they're there one minute, they're gone the next. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so you, you just, you've just got to get it done and, and, uh, and all that good stuff. Um, the uh, the book that you put out, the Never Dead. Uh, I guess there's a lot of illustrations in it. They're from your some of your artwork. Oh yeah, well, like I said, originally I wanted to be a comic artist. So mm-hmm. even like when I first like I went to art school, and my teacher said, if you want to make an artist, you got to move to New York. So I moved to New York. Um, I moved on like a ten year old motorcycle, everything I owned in a backpack. You know, just wow. drove to New York. And um, I remember I interviewed with, like, DC Comics, and that's right when they almost went bankrupt. Like, the movie saved them, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I, I was trying so hard. I finally managed to find a guy at Pratt that worked for them, and he hooked me up with the interview. And mm-hmm. um, the interview didn't really go the way I liked because they want me to draw their characters. Like, they, they pulled out a Superman comic, and Superman punching the third, and they're like, you want to do this? I was like, no. They're like, we don't have a job for you. Wow. <laughs> so, and then, like, an interview with Penguin Books. You know, Penguin pays a lot for a book cover. Yeah. But you might get a book cover, like, every year, every year and a half. I was like, I can't live off that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, like, I love to do illustrations. Like, not to get off topic there. But I, I love to do illustrations. And I like to write as well. And, and I was like, well, when I write, I'm going to do a bunch of illustrations and kind of bring it to life. Mm-hmm. You know, have you have you thought about doing a, a comic book series of horror? I well, I, I thought. See, here's the thing: it's like a full page um, where eleven by seventeen is like the standard working size, and the ones where it's like one image for the entire page is called a splash page. Yeah. And one of those takes me three days to do. Oh. Wow. So when I did, because I'll pencil it. I I even remember when I interviewed with DC Comics. And they're like, your pencils are very detailed. Most inkers can't handle them. I'm like, yeah. oh, I like them myself. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, what they're worried about is they're worried about they want 24 pages a month, every single month. And, uh-huh. you know, if, if you run behind with that, they kind of get screwed. They don't make any money. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. So even if you do it all the time and, and you know, the speed through repetition, it, it's still – it's still hard to crank out 24 if you spend an entire month doing nothing but working on the comic. Yeah, a lot of art that works. Yeah, I know yeah. we had Daphne Byrne from Hill House Comics. Uh, 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 or, well, that was the title of the book. It was Laura Marks from Hill House Comics. And I guess Joe Hill's a big uh, horror uh, comic. Oh, yeah, I met him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. He's like Stephen King's son, yeah. Yeah, and I guess they do really well. We we interviewed them and uh, uh, you know I was like holy crap the uh, the book was amazing to look through. Well, it, it does if you have something that catches people's attention, like it was mm-hmm. Joe Hill or like Del Toro did book, you know. So if you have something that catches people's attention, like Gerard, uh, what, what's the guy from my chemical romance? Gerard Way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the Umbrella Academy. So you know, it, it, if you have something that makes people take a look and it's quality then you're good to go. But there's lots of stuff out there that's quality that nobody ever looked at. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. But, you know, sometimes you have to build the audience, and like I said, you have to curate it and stuff. So, you know, maybe there's a future there, but it sounds like you're kicking ass on what you're doing. What do you have working on in the future? Is there any additions to your book collection that you're putting on now? Yeah, there's, well, I'm always working on something. Um, Like my girlfriend tells me that I do way too much. Um, But... (laughs) You know, like, hey, like, but you know, it's, it's all about time, right? <laughs> There's only so well, much time. Yeah. Well, I, I write, I, I draw, I have a podcast, I tattoo, I, I help run a tattoo shop, I help manage it and pay people. Uh-huh. So it, it's like I, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff all the time. Yeah. What are you talking about on the podcast? Let's get a plug in for that. It, it's called Skull Sessions with Jim Hink. It's, uh, I interview like, artists and authors, mainly authors, because um, I do a lot of like uh, author conventions now, and I'll mm-hmm. meet them like, you should be on my podcast. And oh. like, they'll be on my podcast, and then what I love to do is, is like, I kind of took this from John Stossel, the whole like, you know, put up lots of imagery and stuff like that, and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's a great idea, so you know, if they're talking about a book, boom, it's on the screen. And if they talk about a movie, I try and clip a little scene from that movie and put it on the screen. But yeah, we, we talk about like, what led them to where they are? Like some people, it's more like, you know, what techniques do you use? Some people, it's more like, you know, hey, well, uh, what what made you go for this job in the first place? And they'll be like, well, I was a medical technician, and I was always around lots of blood, and maybe that should have been a sign. Yeah. So what genre of, do you talk about all sorts of books and books authors on your show, or is this a horror genre, or...? Well, it's mainly horror. Um, also, I focus on sci-fi. So, you know, but it'll be like dark sci-fi, like Event Horizon or Alien or something like that. But you know, that, that's not that I'm necessarily turning people away. It's just those are the people that gravitate towards whatever they're on. There you go. And so, uh, it's fun, man. You're you're doing so much, and I think what you're doing is really enjoying life and make sure you're maximizing because you've seen. You know, the darkness of life. What was it like going through cancer? Imagine that had a contribution on your outlook in life. Well, it sucked. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, um, I had uh, headaches, and um, I, I was broke at the time, and so I went to, like, a, a, a local, like, clinic, and they said, oh, you got migraines. And, you know, then the headaches got worse, and I went to a pharmacy, and they couldn't even read its handwriting, and so I had to go to a more expensive clinic. And they said, oh, you're dehydrated to call tomorrow. It's even worse. And the next day, like, me and my girl, we had Chinese food the day before. The next day, I was throwing it up. I was, like, hanging over, like, a, a bathroom sink. You know, like, wow. I don't want to shoot myself in the mouth. I felt like I had a jackhammer to the back of my head. Wow. And, and so then we went to Bellevue Hospital. And while we're going to Bellevue, like, she's trying to guide me straight. I can't even walk straight. I'm walking sideways. And oh, wow. I get I get in there. And they're like, what do you do? I said, well, I do Muay Thai. They're like, oh, it's a brain bleed. They put me in the cascade and they go, oh, it's cancer. Wow. And I was like, uh, okay. And they're like, well, it's a, it was called medial blastoma. It's a slow-growing tumor. They're like, yeah, you know, it would have burst open and, and you would have been dead. You probably had about two weeks. Holy crap. So, I mean, you, you've gone through some things where you've learned to really appreciate your value and time in life. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I think you have so. this outlook where you're so busy now and you, you try and enjoy your life and get a lot of done. That's true. I, I also think one other thing I was going to say about the brain cancer was, so they said, 
you know, it's brain surgery. It saves you about a 50-50 chance of making it. And we have to operate on you in four days. And my girl starts crying. And she's like, oh, you don't care? I'm like, oh, of course I care. But what am I going to do? And uh -huh. I call my parents. And like, well, we come see you. But, you know, last minute takes are expensive. So, so, <laughs> so, kind of, kind of like, like me and my parents don't get along well. Anyways, like I turned eighteen, they kicked me out of the house and moved. Ah, uh. <laughs> they're they're like super conservative, super religious. You know, I got into punk rock. They're like, all right, devil inspired, he's out. Oh yeah, yeah devil's yeah, punk rock that'll do it. Yeah, the, I had a blue mohawk and a spiky leather jacket and a comment. Yeah. I looked like a British punk rocker. Uh -huh. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I got a high, you know, grade point average, high GPA, you know, and I remember I talked to my guidance counselor, and I was like trying to get like a, a loan for college or like a grant or something. Mm -hmm. She said, "Get ready for a cure pumping gas because that's all you're ever gonna do." What the hell? <laughs> I still what remember what she looks like. I remember <laughs> her name. I remember she, you used to send her some of your work and say, "Yeah, I seem to be doing well." How's your pumping gas thing working out there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a very nice guidance counselor. What the hell? That's not even guidance. It's just cursing you with something or trying to. Well, I'm glad you didn't listen to her and you rose above it. Um, you know, it, it seems like you've had quite the journey of resilience and uh loss and you know that that's it's an interesting thing you you got stabbed like cancer you you lost your wife i mean there's a lot of grief and heartache where people that go through stuff like that would just give up and just say uh, you know whatever uh you know maybe like the character in your book who's a bit of a nihilist uh after going through some of the similar things that you put into your latest book yeah well i think they kind of like uh if you do a deep dive in psychology of people, like mm -hmm. that's a path I could have gone down. Yeah. And I, I know I was feeling more nihilistic when I wrote, but I mean, I don't hate people, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I can see how that leads to it. You know, I, I can see how people get a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't used to hate people and then I started getting to know people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, just some people. I started watching the news. Uh, right. So, you know, maybe turn that news off every now and then. It's good to stay informed, though, people. It's probably not but, even real anyway, so. Yeah. There you go. So uh, what do you want to – is there anything more we should tease out about the two books, The Black Sea's Infinity and uh, The Never Dead, before we go? No, I, I think definitely check those books out. Like The the Black Sea's Infinity, when I had the rights back, um, I, got, I was like – I should give people a reason why they should check this out if they've already seen it. Mm -hmm. So I did do a massive, you know, re-edit and rewrite and everything. I figure I'm a much better author now than I was when I first wrote it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I should give them some like cool stuff to like make them really want to check it out, you know, even more. So like I included a whole bunch of new illustrations. I included like a whole backstory. It's like, the, I call it the story of the projects where I say, you know, it started out as this. These are some of my early drawings, some of my later drawings. These are some of the drawings I interviewed with DC Comics with. And so I, I just somehow evolved over time. There you go. Well, it's been fun having you on the show. Give us the final pitch out as we go out, uh, Dan, uh, for people to order up your books, check out some of your other artistry work. 
Well, I think, like, I'm a big fan of A.P. Lovecraft, and he has a great uh -huh. quote, right, where he says, life is indeed comic, but the joke is on make on. There you go. <laughs> I think man can learn from his history as a man never learns from his history. Uh, DanGivesher.com, so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Is DanHink.com. It's D-A-N-H-E-N-K. It's some weird German last name. So DanHink.com. There you go. Well, thanks for persevering through everything you you've gone through. You're you're a light in the world, and you're inspiring other people. And uh, keep up with the artwork. Yeah, thanks, Chris. There you go. You know, it'd be great too is if you did like a maybe a little movie, like maybe a little TV series, Twilight Zone sort of thing on the on the uh, on the book there. Well, I I do book trailers for all my books. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. And, oh, um, wow. I, I figure it, it like gives you a little more of like an insight into what's going on. Oh yeah. And I like one of my books. It's called "Down Highways in the Dark" by Demons Driven. <laughs> and it, it's, it's all short stories. And I got an option by somebody. It wasn't Netflix, but it was kind of like Netflix to like mm -hmm. make that into an episode of a series. It never went anywhere. You know, I didn't make like crazy money off of it, but uh, you know that was out there. You never know. I mean, those options are pretty fun because, you know, people option them and then sometimes they don't they don't use them and then you can just keep reselling them. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. We have a lot of authors that come on the show that do that. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. There you go. And thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss 1 on the Tickety Toggety. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that's